Hello everyone and welcome to episode 72 of The Stagey Place, the podcast where we here interview those who work behind the scenes in theatre, from writers to directors, producers to stage managers. And on this episode, our very first episode of 2023, we are talking to Tom Radcliffe, who is the writer of Wreckage, which is coming to the Turbine Theatre after a very successful run at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2022. I went to go and see this show in Edinburgh and I absolutely loved it. Got in contact with Tom because I knew that I wanted him on on this podcast to talk ahead of its run at the Turbine Theatre, which runs 5th until the 22nd of January. It's such a fantastic place, so if you are listening and do get the chance to see it, I really do recommend it. It's such a wonderful production, written and starring Tom, alongside the wonderful Michael Walters, plus an amazing design which will really grip you from start till finish. So, let's get on with the interview with writer Tom Ratcliffe. Hello, Tom, and welcome to The Stage of Place. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tom, to talk about Wreckage, a show which I saw last year in Edinburgh. And Tom, you are the writer and performer of Wreckage alongside Michael Walters. What can you tell listeners about the story? So Wreckage is a play about continuing bonds. It follows a couple, and right at the start of the play, this isn't really a spoiler if you've read anything to the play, but one of the pair dies. And the play is set in the mind of Sam, who's the character I play. And it's about how that love and that relationship and that bond continues to grow after someone has passed and how that love stays with you and continues to evolve for the rest of your life. Yeah, and it is a really exciting story. And we're going to talk a lot about Wreckage today, as well as the upcoming run, which we're doing at the Turbine Theatre in London, which is very exciting. But Tom, what I like to know about all my guests is how they started off in the career that they are in now. So for you, Tom, as a writer, you're also a performer as well. So where did the start of this journey come for you? It's it's interesting because writing is something that I'd always done ever since I was a kid so I'd always write actually horror stories as a child and in fact my stepmom thought I should get some therapy because I wrote these dark horror stories to which my mum was very upset at that suggestion because she thought my horror stories were wonderful so writing was always kind of on the background however kind of as soon as I got into drama at secondary school it was Mm. just sort of acting 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 initially and that was where I then went to drama school however kind of whilst all that was happening I always wrote all of my own stuff kind of inside and outside school I'd kind of produce work uh, in between doing a foundation course at one drama school and going to the three-year Oxford I took a show to Edinburgh with some friends for a week that I'd written as well so it was kind of always something I was doing and Whilst I was at drama school, I was working with the director of Wreckage, Ricky Beadle Blair. He was mentoring me on my first play, Circa. So literally whilst I was in third year and at the end of second year as well, I was going up to London, taking all of my classmates with me to do table reads of that play and kind of honing that, which is kind of why the writing kind of started right off the bat. Circa's premiere was in 2016 in Amsterdam. And so it kind of like, I'd started the process whilst I was still in training. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about your writing style. Who influences your writing? Were you reading Chekhov as a young child or, you know, what influenced your writing? I mean, all of the places. I mean, the the big, uh, if there was one writer that really stood out for me, it was David Harrower, particularly Blackbird was my favourite play kind of 
growing up. I just think it's so well written. I absolutely love his style. I mean, also Mike Bartlett is a is a kind of a more obvious name to pull out there. Certainly been influenced by him. Penny Skinner is another writer who I absolutely adore. And then kind of as I have continued to grow, I've kind of been more interested in uh, Sarah Kozel's Mumberg. I absolutely adored that play. I thought that was wonderful at the Old Red Lion. And my peers inspire me all the time as well. Jenna's first play, we run wildcard together. Yeah. Ruckus is uh, incredible. So I'm kind of very lucky to be surrounded by an incredible network of creative people. Um, I think we all kind of push each other, inspire each other. Ruckus, like you said, Jenna's play there is was also an inspiring play that I saw in Edinburgh earlier this year. And it's just finished its run actually at the Southern Playhouse. So Tom, <laughs> let's talk about Wreckage and your inspiration behind writing Wreckage. So where did this all come from? Where did the idea of Wreckage start? I mean, so initially, let's just talk practicality. So we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic when I was pitching this to, to Harlow. I hadn't been commissioned by that point and I was, you know, really excited to be going in and kind of off the back of Velvet and Circa in 2019 to kind of be going in at the end of 2020 just to seeing if they just got some money I knew through the Cultural Recovery Fund. So I was kind of hoping that there might be something out there for artists within their pot, which I was very lucky that there, there was. And I took four plays. I knew at this point that they needed to be quite small because no one's going to have the money to take something that's big through to production. So I was really thinking about this from a producer perspective. I was like, what is most likely to get ticked off? And I've always kind of wanted to write a play and kind of explore grief and kind of dissect that. Interestingly, Wreckage was not on the list that I picked to Rory. In fact, another play, which was kind of more story-based with themes of grief, was the one that Rory said, I want that one. Mm -hmm. However, I then immediately when I went away and started my, I'm quite a research heavy writer. I kind of have like a six week period of just full-time research, which doesn't kind of stop, but just like solid before I'll touch anything because I often find that it usually completely changes the story, which it did. (laughs) So I realized very quickly that I was kind of shying away from what I really wanted to write, which was wreckage, kind of an exploration of continuing bonds which is something that is quite personal to me, as well as in Wreckage. It's not really a spoiler because it happens in the first five minutes, but Sam's partner, Noel, dies in a car accident, which is, again, something that's quite close to my heart. So I kind of then felt that I had the time and space to be able to really explore and dig down into something that was personal, but also enough time had passed that I felt safe enough to write it. So anything you write, you grow every time. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to write this story like even five years ago, let alone 10. So it's nice to have had like, the time and space to be able to approach something safely. Also with distance is not certainly not directly my story. I've never lost a partner in that respect, but close enough, it's very clear what I'm writing about for me uh, and what inspired it. However, there's enough distance that I can safely be in that play without it being uncomfortable or essentially just being an extended paid therapy session (laughs) (laughs) well this is it as well because obviously you you're writing this play which clearly has quite an emotional sense for you and you're also in the play as well as as one of the characters alongside Michael Walters when you were writing this play did you always know that you were going to be in the play as well 
Absolutely. So I, I, t- I don't tend to, I say this, I don't tend to do this often, but I did do it with Velvet. And I, okay. I, after Velvet, I said, I didn't think I would want to do it again. However, pandemic happened. And I, I very much see my career as you kind of, you just have to take things into your own hands. You, you can't give the power to everyone else in this industry to make it happen for you. Yeah. And if I want to be on stage, then I do. I train as an actor and I, I've loved doing bits of everything, including not even just writing, acting. I love producing. I love kind of my exec director role at Wildcard, for example, is something I also love. I love kind of dipping in and out of all these different roles. However, you're not entitled to be given anything. Sometimes you just have to take the ball by the horns and just make it happen. And after the pandemic, it had been a while and I was like, I'm going to need to give myself an opportunity to get back on stage because that's just often you get auditions through people seeing you. So I knew immediately from when I was pitching to the Harlow Playhouse that I wanted to be in what was happening. So yeah. I knew straight away. Yeah, and having now done the Edinburgh run, what was the audience reaction like for you? Because obviously, like you say, it's quite a personal play. It's also published as well, we should say, as a play text. How does it feel to have your play published that people can read and maybe associate with the themes of the play? But also, how was the audience reaction like for you in Edinburgh? So I guess starting with the publishing, I've been fortunate year with my plays being published. And uh, I love, absolutely love working with Matthew and they're amazing. And I guess that for me is kind of like my real, like, bucket list childhood dream moments yeah. you know I think especially not even just wanting to be a writer but coming from an acting background so you just have to surround yourself with plays especially when you're auditioning for drama schools you just plays on plays on plays on plays on plays I have so many plays and the idea of like that then becoming something that I now have it has been over the past few years bucket list moment for me every time and I always get very proud yeah I love that people can read it and people have from all over the world I've some people in Germany who have messaged me because they've bought it and read it would love to see it in different languages. And, yeah. you know, you, you do end up having these conversations with people, uh, even past plays, Circa and Velvet, there's a Dutch director in Amsterdam randomly has been messaging because he's picking them up and buying them. And I find that wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't realize people actually bought them. Yeah. <laughs> just a nice thing to have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think it's been, it's kind of surreal. It's really nice. And I think it's about as well, especially because this play leading on to really nicely audience kind of reaction was it was quite overwhelming because the audience really connected to this play emotionally. It's interesting because the play, obviously, people listening to this will think this is quite a heavy play. And I'm not gonna lie, this play obviously tackles heavy themes themes and but I do think it is quite celebratory. And anyone who knows my work will know that probably not describe me as a hopeful writer, okay. uh, which I think is a fair comment. However, I think this play has a lot of hope in, which yeah. I think why audiences connect to it so much. I think this is a very hopeful play. And I think it's a real celebration of love and of yeah. life. And I think that's why it resonated with audience members. It's, it's very easy to get caught up in, for example, having your name on a playtext, which obviously is a very lovely thing. And yeah. But I mean, like it ultimately is quite narcissistic being like, oh, yes, look at my name on a play, yeah. which guilty. Yeah, did enjoy that. But the real thing that was very enjoyable about wreckage was when audience members would come up to you and they have experienced something similar and the play had spoken to them and it kind of that reminds you of 
while really doing something and that was the most rewarding experience about doing wreckage in Edinburgh. Yeah and obviously moving on to the fact that wreckage is coming back for the turbine theatre what can you tell us about the new production that we'll be seeing at the turbine obviously you've got the script published I'm guessing the text will not change at all but obviously when you're in Edinburgh there's there's very quick turnarounds with other shows you've got like 10-15 minutes maybe before the next show is on I believe was wreckage the first show of each day when it when you were filming yeah, it we were so lucky yeah because yes. your set design had quite a lot of um physicality bits that obviously i don't want to ruin it in case you know you're going to be using that again in the turbine but yeah you had quite a nice set design uh throughout the whole piece in edinburgh what can you tell us about what everything's looked like at the turbine theater yeah so i think as you said we got very lucky in edinburgh that we were the first show because um our set design was quite an ambitious edinburgh yes. set we're certainly building on that design it's something that we really like and it's something that intrinsically incorporated into the text of the show in a way that we won't reveal and i know that you would have no. seen so i think you can expect more of that in particular obviously the nice thing about having a permanent home rather than rolling up and taking it up something else is that you can kind of you know have a bit more structure so I think the the design conversations that are happening are very much leaning into that but in a more permanent sense yeah and let's talk about the rest of the cast and the rest of the company as well so do you just want to shout out who else is on wreckage Absolutely. So Michael Waters is absolutely incredible and plays Noel in the play and such, such, such a wonderful actor. And it is very nice when we we're doing the auditions with uh, Nadine Rennie, who is casting director for it. And it was very immediate when Michael came in that he is an exceptional actor. And I was I was thinking I had been a while since I've been on stage myself. So I was like, well, at least one of us is good. So, yes, yeah, it's been amazing work with Michael. Also, Ricky, obviously, I have to shout out. So Ricky is the director, Ricky Beadle Blair, who I've known for years and years and years and years and years and finally we are working together in this capacity so he was my mentor I've never been one of his cast but I've never been directed by him as an actor so that's also really nice then when who did the sound design is incredible the sound I think um, a lot of people will say that that certainly played a, a contributing factor yeah. any tears <laughs> may have <laughs> happened at the end yeah when sound sound is incredible Rachel Sampley's lighting design is amazing a huge 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 shout out to Harlow Playhouse who mm. have always been so supportive particularly of me as an artist and they are really good people they've just been amazing so this would not be happening if it wasn't for Harlow Playhouse so big shout out to Harlow and the tech team to Tom and Will as well they're amazing everyone's amazing brilliant uh well Tom before we move on to the final question of this podcast what I want to ask you about is advice you may have for younger people who want to be a writer so Tom if you were to let's say talk to a younger Tom who is just starting off in writing what advice would you have given them the advice and the knowledge that you know now as Tom Ratcliffe? I guess, actually, do you know what? I'm going to give younger Tom, Tom some yes. props here. Is that I would actually, the advice I would give to other people is actually what younger Tom decided to do because he was so bloody determined to get 
his work on. So you have to learn how to produce, I think, first and foremost, because you you can obviously find people to produce your work. And producing, there's, there's this, because producer, a lot of people just assume money. So they assume that that means that you have to have money to be a producer. That is not true. You just have to learn how to raise. So you, you do have to learn Arts Council is a big one. So um, I've been doing Arts Council applications for a long time find ways essentially to manage budgets even through earned income which I would not recommend right now with ticket sales in theatre but I would say basically that if you give yourself the power to be able to get something up from the ground and put it on yourself you will learn so much about how this industry actually works from all aspects of it because it is too much like I've done it a lot in terms of producing my own place in fact wreckage is the first time i didn't okay. and i now have drawn a line i won't do it anymore like I, I will i will often end up doing do your arts council applications and do raising and then give to someone and say hey i've done half your job already can you now please do it so i don't have to do like yeah. too much but i do think that you unless you give yourself that experience you can just end up just sitting around and kind of wondering why it's not happening for you or you're so quick to kind of get validations from from schemes and writers groups where like a handful of people get it when there are so many talented writers out there that does not mean that you are not good enough mm. it just means that that is an opportunity which thousands of people are applying for and only a few people will get that doesn't mean you're going to work in the future yeah. <laughs> like yeah. even if you get one of those things like it's actually about building a career not just about putting your faith in ops which obviously throw your hat in the ring for if you don't apply for things you're never going to get them yeah. however find a way to take your career into your own hands and get at least some credits on the cv so then people can start then trusting in your work and wanting to work with you that would be what i would say because i don't believe that anyone gives you anything in this industry you just have to go out and make it happen yeah i think it's really interesting i think i've had a lot of um, writers on this podcast who will probably just say the usual you know read read all the plays that you can and you know really be inspired and really be open by talks but actually your answer there is very realistic and talking about the realism of you having your work on and it not just putting your work taking it out there and going okay somebody else handle it sometimes you have to really work more at what you're doing to get your plays produced so I think it's a wonderful wonderful answer thank you so much with that as well I guess one thing just to preface like very quickly remembering like, oh that was just not creative in the slightest that doesn't mean you should rush getting your work on that doesn't mean that you should just also take the first producing opportunity that arises to you like invest in your work and get a drama tip that I certainly didn't have the means to do that when I first started but like if you can find some trusted people who initially read your work and give you some feedback I was very lucky that Ricky is a huge supporter of new work and I kind of I got that mentorship for free don't rush because once it's on it's on yeah. <laughs> you know plays yeah. take a long time for example once it's Evelyn, once it's published that's it it's it's published that's it's, the final. It. It's, <laughs> it's down there like Evelyn one of my plays took six years Circa took five years to get it to a full four week production play writing takes time and you shouldn't rush that process however you shouldn't rely on people to give you the opportunity to do it in the first place yeah exactly well Tom thank you so much for that wonderful advice 
yes, I'm sure listeners to this will take that on board if they are wanting to be writers in the future or are emerging writers or are writing at the moment and want their plays produced. But Tom, we are coming over to the final question of the podcast today. And it is, of course, the title of this podcast. And that is the stagey place. And what I want to know from you, Tom, is whereabouts your stagey place is. So, for example, this could be the first theatre that you ever went to and saw your favourite show. It could be the theatre that first produced your first bit of theatre. It could not even be a theatre altogether. It could just be the place that you think is the most creative when creating and writing and researching all these plays that you want to produce and write. So, Tom Ratcliffe, whereabouts is your stagey place? Do you know what? I'm going to go for the Old Red Lion Theatre because... That was where we first did one night of my first place circa, yeah. where I just put it on for one night on a Monday. And that led to where it went to Amsterdam. And then it did a full circle in years later in 2019. That was in 2015, November. And then in 2019, in February, it came back into the full four weeks there, which is my first four week run in London. Yeah, I think that holds a special place in my heart for being that. And also because it is just the most gorgeous pub fringe theatre over the years so so many great things now obviously Mumberg by Sarah Kozel was one thing that I saw in there so many things over the years I said that they were a wonderful space at the start of my journey and also just sometimes the magic really happens when it's just like grassroots you're in the mud you're just gonna (laughs) get it and get it done and also Norwich City Football Club fan club is down the stairs and I didn't realize that anyone else supported Norwich so um, (laughs) that's nice so it definitely is just my stagey stagey place amazing well Tom thank you so much for coming on to the stage place to talk about wreckage to talk about how the run went in Edinburgh plus some little tidbits about what the run will feel like at the Turbine Theatre Tom Ratcliffe thank you so much for coming on to the stagey place Thank you so much for having me. And there we go. That was my interview with Tom Ratcliffe, the writer and one of the performers of Wreckage, which is coming to the Turbine Theatre following a very successful run at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's running from the 5th until the 22nd of January. And like I said in the intro, if you do get the chance to see it, I would highly recommend because it is a wonderful production. You'll be able to book your tickets via the episode notes wherever you are streaming this episode. And so that's it for this week and the very first episode of 2023. However you celebrated the new year, I hope it was safe and well. And until next time, I hope you are keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.